Welcome to another Business Plugs Chat. How's it going, Carlos? It's great, man. Friday again. Time is flying, but life is good. Let's get right into it. Uh, today, we're primarily talking about Solana. Uh, go, go right ahead, Carlos. Uh, take us through Solana, cryptocurrency. You know, there's been a, a lot of talk about this. I'm, I'm really excited for this chat. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just start to talk about what is Solana. So, I mean, you can obviously see from the title here, it's a cryptocurrency. Um, and uh, some of the things that are really interesting about Solana is that it's very centralized, I would say. Um, but as far as cryptocurrencies go, you could say there are some sorts of uh, decentralization. Um, it has some sort of like Moore's Law principle. So the processing speed should double um, every two years. So maybe if I take a step back, the biggest things that you need to know about Solana is that it's uh, very fast. It creates a block every 400 milliseconds. Um, and uh, it uses validators, so it's kind of like proof of stake, but it uses proof of history, which is a kind of proof of stake consensus me uh, mechanism. Uh, and the thing about Solana, which has an advantage over some of these other cryptocurrencies, is probably the cheapest blockchain on the market, um, where you're paying literally pennies on the dollar for uh, transactions. So the thing about Solana is it puts forward eight core innovations that differentiate it from the competition. Um, and these are proof of history, Tower BFT, Turbine, Gulfstream, Sea Level, Pipeline, Cloudbreak, and Archives. The most important, I would say, here is to understand the proof of history. If you go and read the white paper, you'll see that it's pretty technical. So it's not like a Bitcoin white paper where you could read it and understand it, even if you aren't technically savvy. But um, the, thing about crypt, uh, the thing about Solana is that Solana has a lot of backing. Um, Solana has a lot of backing from institutional investors, um, and it has a total supply of 511. I, uh, I got to look at the exact numbers. I don't have it in front of me, but it has, a, I'd say it has hundreds of millions of coins. So it's not in the billions. Um, it's, it's both inflation and deflationary. The inflation is deflationary because for a long time, 100% of the transaction fees were burned. But now about 50% of them are burned, if I understand correctly. And it's inflationary because they recently approved an inflation schedule where staking rewards are paying around 8%. But they do get every uh, they do get out every few days by a very small amount until the final staking reward hits 1.5% uh, in 10 years. Uh, so, yeah, basically, um, there are some cool projects on Solana. Um it uh, has a proof of history mechanism. That's one of the most important things to understand. Um, has a lot of institutional backing. There are a lot of interesting, I guess, apps that are being built on Solana. Um, there are so I have, I'm only talking about the positives here because there are some negatives I could hit. For example, it had some downtimes, which I think Jordan may um, may speak on to. Um, I would say the biggest competitor is the Near Protocol. I did not get a chance to look too much into the Near Protocol, but that's one of the top 100 cryptocurrencies as well. Um, and I think they both have some of the same investors in these projects. Um, Solana's end game is to be faster than centralized stock exchanges like the NASDAQ, with the aim of eventually replacing them. Um, and this plays a big part into why it is so popular among institutional investors. Thank you for that, Carlos. Definitely. Um, for those of you who don't understand, I, you know, I'm, I read a lot. I read white papers every day. And one of the hardest things for me to do is to create 
a blog post out of some of these white pipe white papers because they're you know they're very high level you know they really go into details especially when they start talking about code and one of the things that I've noticed looking at the tokenomics about Solana is 37% of the original tokens went to investors. Then another 25% was split between Solana's team and the Solana Foundation. So right there, you have over 50% of the tokens already gone. And it's not even, it's not, it's not gone to a black hole. It's not gone, it's not gone towards another wallet, which is, you know, feeding their validators or their stakers that went to investors and the team and the foundation. So in terms of what I think I understand about the cryptocurrency community, the real people aren't going to be really happy that half of the tokens already went somewhere. Not, not for the, the public. It went to basically take care of, you know, the investors and the team, you know, so reading white papers, a lot. I, I don't like the decision that they made. Like you said, one of the downsides about Solana is it's centralized. I mean, it only has 1,000, around 1,800 validators, but it can support up to 20,000. You know, some of the investors in Solana include Multicone Capital, Distributed Global, Block Tower Capital, Foundation Capital, Blockchain Ventures, Slow Ventures, NEO Global Capital, Passport Capital and Rockway Ventures um, definitely have seen a lot of money in Solana. And I think a lot of people have shaken these hands, not truly understanding the backstory about Solana's code. Um, like Carlos mentioned, Solana, the entire blockchain has been paused or on stop or broken. Whatever word you want to use, it was not operating at a certain time. I think this happened at least twice. So for all the bells and whistles, how fast it is, the fact that I've heard that this blockchain has been on pause more than once is a red flag, in my opinion. Also, 50% of the tokens are already held by investors, the team, and the foundation. To me, also, that's a red flag. And red flag number three is it's not, which is no surprise to me, in terms of this validators, it's not really decentralized. It's really centralized. So in my opinion, we can go on and on talking about Solana and what it wants to do and the other projects that are built on it, because there are some good projects built on it. But in the end, you know, in terms of this industry and like many others, it's very competitive. You have Near, you have Phantom, you have Avalanche, you have XBR, you have BNB, you have Ether. There's several other blockchains, Cardano, that can kind of do what Solana's trying to do. Maybe not as fast, but I don't think that they've been on pause for two or three times. So that's just, um, that's really just how I feel about Solana. This is the reason why I haven't blogged about it yet. I'm waiting to see an update because I have to give the Solana code team, really the developers, some time because they're trying to do something inventive. And sometimes when you try and do something like this, you, you come, there are failures failures that makes sense so maybe in two or three years i'll revisit solana and be like okay this is a good investment for right now if you sold me if you gave me any amount of solana i would immediately sell it
You hit on a lot of good points there. Um, Solana is, uh, it's really difficult to say where it will go, especially the blockchain needs to be decentralized. Well, if, if a blockchain is decentralized, then it should never, ever go down. We've definitely seen that Solana has gone down on several occasions, and I believe several times in the month of January of this year. Um, I know I think the first main one was in December 2020 when it was down for six hours. We definitely saw another one in September 2021 and December 2021. I think January for a few times, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was another one in May. So we've seen that this uh, this blockchain has actually been down so many times that they don't even like, it's not even a headline anymore. So it's kind of interesting that if some a project is going to be like that big or be like worldwide, for example, it can never go down because that's going to be, that's obviously going to be an issue for the future. Another issue I see personally, well, maybe it's not even an issue. Maybe this will bring in true developers, but it uses the Rust programming language, which is not as easy to transfer from blockchain to blockchain as like Solidity is with Ethereum's uh, code. Um, if you learn Solidity, I believe it's easy to just transfer your dApps to other types of blockchains like BNB. But Solana uses a completely different uh, programming language, which is Rust. Um, what else was on my list here? Uh, I mean, it's it's the official chain for USDC. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I know USDC is actually on a lot of different blockchains, even though 90% of USDC supply is currently rests on Ethereum's blockchain. Um, the official blockchain for USDC is actually Solana. Um, so I thought that was uh, quite interesting, which means that they have some sort of collaboration with Circle. Um, another one of the biggest institutional supporters of Solana is the FTX exchange, um, which is kind of growing uh, as well. If you haven't heard of it, they also have their own coin. Um, and they poured tens of million dollars into the Solana ecosystem. Um, another issue that there was, there was a wormhole bridge hack of $326 million. That also was a big issue with Solana. Um, but, I mean, they also are and maybe to be favored to create the next CBDC for the United States, or maybe USDC will be in collaboration. I'm not really sure exactly how that will look like or if that will even happen. But these are some of the main uh, main ideas surrounding Solana in terms of some of the negatives and positives um, from my from my research and from my perspective. Definitely, definitely. Um, we'll definitely have to revisit Solana. This week has been a week that I didn't think would get here. I did. I actually predicted that this week would get here. I just think we wouldn't. We've gotten here so fast. We got here very, very fast. Um, for those of you who don't understand, I've done some research this week. In my opinion, the housing market bubble is incoming. If you look at New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and you look at the city of Frankfurt, there's a huge housing bubble. Unlike 2008, you can only get a house if you have stellar credit. Um, fewer people will be able to buy homes in the next two or three years. In my prediction, the price won't go up that much. I can say mortgage applications are 50% less than that than what they were just a year ago. The median price of American households has increased by 28% over the last two years. It's very high. 28% over the last two years. Also, lumber pri prices this week crashed above 50% 
in three months, but the actual store price of lumber is only down around 8%. Um, if you look at credit card debt, it's all-time high in the United States, 1.1. I think this is the world. 1.1 trillion. Not sure if it's the world or the United States. All-time high. Credit card debt, $1.1 trillion. Inflation has officially hit a 40-year high of over 8.5%. Here in the United States, the average monthly rent is an all-time high of $2,000. Stocks having the worst year since 1940 overall. And gas prices here in the United States have an average price of $5. So I'm here to say a recession is here, 150 billion percent. It's here, it's coming. Uh, there's been layoffs from Coinbase, layoffs from other companies, Fortune 500 companies, and the price of average goods continues to increase. It's really hard for investors, I would say, especially new investors, to join a market like this. I mean, it depends on like where you're, me- where you are mentally. I mean, if you look at history right now, it would be like, I wouldn't, I can't predict the bottom. Right. But right now would be a, a really good time to start investing. If you look at history. Now, if you are someone who has never invested before and you're looking at this you're right now, you're like, this is why I never joined the stock market. Cause as soon as you put money in, it may drop. Like I'm looking at Bitcoin right now in the last seven days, Bitcoin is down 30%. I know I looked at uh, Apple this morning. I, can't, uh, I need to pull up the exact chart, but Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world in terms of market capitalization, is down by like uh, tens of th- uh, tens of percentages. Um, I don't have the exact number, so I don't want to say an incorrect figure. But definitely, um, there are a lot of even big name companies who are supposed to be secure. The S and P five hundred is also down by like twenty something percent, which is supposed to be the safest investment. So, I mean, when it comes to looking at the economy, I mean, I would also say that we are in a recession. Officially, we are not. But I would say it's it's inevitable. I mean, you can see, as you mentioned, with the housing bubble, you can see that companies are already starting to lay people off. Prices are high. I mean, these are the common, these are the common signs of a recession. So, I mean, will we be in a recession? Yes, I also agree 100%. Um I think once we get those GDP figures in uh, in July, I think either at the beginning of July or at some point in July, we, I don't think we're going to be surprised when it's a negative GDP. Um, it's just the all the signs that are t- showing or, or all the signs are just really pointing to it. Um, and I mean, if we somehow turn or turn this around and are not in a recession, then I will be extremely surprised. Yep, definitely, you can. You can for sure say that this student loan, student loans are still going to be on pause from the Biden administration. Um, they're going to do. Right now, they're going after businesses. You know, the the oil companies, the gasoline companies, the supply chain companies, and making sure they're not, you know, overpricing. You know, capitalizing on this this perfect time to make a lot of money during this downtime in our economy. Um, so we'll we'll definitely see what the Biden administration does, you know, but you yeah, know they can only do so much. We've printed way too much money. We've had this conversation calls for the last two to five re- five years, really talking about how much money the United States government, both sides, Republican, Democratic, has doesn't matter who they are, continue to print money on top of the COVID-19 pandemic. I said, 
told you two years ago and you agreed that we really hadn't seen the real ramifications of stopping the economy. President Donald Trump stopped the economy for two, two, two weeks, you know, to stop the curve. And, and some of these businesses never came back then. And now you're seeing it again, they're, they've not, they're not able to survive, not able to thrive. So like you said, Bitcoin's down. A lot of other cryptos are down. But I have to highlight, I did do a blog post about PAX Gold. In the last seven days, it's been the number one cryptocurrency that's been increasing. PAX Gold, it's a cryptocurrency linked to actual gold. So can you imagine, if you can, it does make sense that during a downtime, being able to buy something, you know, a resource that, people have bought and fought over for the last who knows 3,000 5,000 years which is gold everyone can agree every human can agree that gold is a valuable item so you know Pax Gold is bringing cryptocurrency to gold and gold to cryptocurrency so no matter who you are if you can buy crypto now you can buy actual gold I really don't know anything about Pax Gold. I have to admit, I've never heard of this. But I'm think looking at it now, it looks like it's somehow correlated to the price of actual gold. Um, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, it's almost like we're going backwards. The U.S. dollar used to be tied to the gold standard, um, and now we're seeing some of these cryptocurrencies are pegging themselves to gold. Um, so it's just an alternative way of uh, of investing. So I mean. That's kind of the beauty of crypto. You can invest in a lot of different things, kind of invest in what you believe in. Um, and usually, I mean, I haven't looked into Pax Gold, but generally um, you can go and you can read. Yep, they have a white paper. You can go and read their white paper and learn more about what they do. You can look at the community, look at the source code. Um, and their source code right here is on GitHub.com. So, I mean, it's uh, that's really that's really interesting with gold. Um, gold is at 1800 and forty-seven dollars as we speak, um, which is uh, looks like it's a mixed trend over the last uh, six months. Um, its high was two thousand forty, and that was a March eighth. Yeah, I mean, historically speaking, gold is supposed to be a hedge against inflation, but you can see that gold is also dropping. So, yeah, I mean, if you look from December, actually, gold's about the same price, so it could technically be considered a hedge against inflation. Maybe that's where a lot of this money is going. I'm not I'm not really sure, but um, it's really interesting to see that people have options to decide. But as as you and I both know, like most of the money in the United States, or at least in terms of the U.S. dollar, is actually credit, not actual dollars. So that can be manipulated quite easily, especially how the feds are doing right now with interest rates. Um, they're making sure that people pretty much give up some of the money that they owe or give up more of the money that they owe. <laughs> and that's... Uh, It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what kind of repercussions that have if they continue to. I mean, yesterday they raised the interest rates by 0.75%. So we'll see what kind of repercussions that has on the economy, especially as inflation is still rising. Do you think they're going to raise it again? Yeah, they're going to raise interest rates again. But yeah, for sure. Their goal was, I don't know what it is right now, but I know their our goal was to keep raising it until like towards the end of the year. So yeah, I do think they're going to raise it again. So if you think they're going to race it again, then if for those of you who are just trying to find the bottom, then this is not the bottom. I think I said three podcasts ago, the bottom should be, you can never time it, but the bottom is going to be in the fall, in October, November. 
you know, unless bombs start dropping in the Middle East, but that's a different story. But now's the perfect time to invest in value, invest in projects that you believe in, not emotionally believe in, but you can actually see a use case, you know, and that's why we're having this conversation about Solana because Solana is the one thing that scares me about it is it's heavy and it's heavily invested. It really crept in. It's in the, it's a top 10 cryptocurrency, it's top 10 crypto. And I really don't even want to talk about it that like that. That's how scared I am because there's a lot of people invested in it. And if for some reason Solana can't figure it out, then that's going to be, it's going to hurt the market. It's going to hurt the overall cryptocurrency market in the long run for short run. It may hurt the price of the, of the cryptocurrency overall, market and obviously solana may tank but in the long run it's going to be a lot of people who didn't really understand cryptocurrency they are now shied away from it because they lost money and, th and that's what i really don't want to happen but no matter what you know during an, a downtime you know if you buy groceries at costco you should be buying costco stock if you buy coffee at starbucks own starbucks stock same thing with exxon mobile gas same thing with target if you love Apple products and you buy Apple products, you might as well be buying Apple stock right now. It's a, it's the perfect time to buy some of these um, stocks that I just mentioned, and also of course Bitcoin. Never never think that it's not a bad time to buy Bitcoin. I mean, if you're buying products from a place, you might as well grow in their success, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, a lot of these projects that we see, if they have no use case, then, I mean, it's obvious, inevitably, they are not going to be there. So, I mean, if you're investing in some projects because of their tokenomics and that's it, for example, then, then you're, you could possibly get burned. If, you, if you're lucky, you won't. But I think you have to think about where is this project going to be in five years? And if you're looking for a quick buck and you're a day trader and you can read the trends and stuff, that's a totally different story. I'm not talking to you right now. Talking to people who don't have the time to sit there and look at charts all day, look and see where the trend is going, looking to see like what kind of uh, indicators I need to put on here to see where this is going to go tomorrow and then read a lot of economic news. Because, I mean, we, a lot of people have day jobs. They have other things that they have to do during the day. They can't sit there and read the market. So the most important thing, I think, is to understand what is the use case? What is their value proposition? How are they going to change how people do things? Or provide some sort of, uh, you know, happiness or provide some sort of utility, I would say um to people and that's this is what happens not only with crypto but like with the general market is where you see a lot of companies uh struggle i mean like like you see you already see it a lot of these companies are going down and going into the red now a lot of these companies will rebound i have to say and some a lot of these cryptocurrencies will rebound as well but um it's just uh you can really see which companies were really about it during times like these because that's when uh that's when they can show that no matter what happens, we're going to pull through and make something work. We weren't just here to make a quick buck. Definitely. Um, right now, Bitcoin is like around 21,000. Ether's around 1,100, 1,096. Uh, B&B's 218. In, and I'm predicting that this is not the bottom. You know, the overall market cap of cryptocurrency is around $904 billion. Uh, this is a, It's a good time, then. It's a good time. It's a good time to do your research. You don't have to rush into this, this market right now. It's a perfect time to do your research because you're seeing a lot of people who 
in my opinion, don't understand it are now scared because the market's tanking. And there are alternatives like gold, which we know are going to be, you know, I mean, gold's going to be a standard no matter what year it is. So um, it's interesting to see how far Pax Gold, right now Pax Gold is 62 ranked on coin market cap. It's going to be interesting to see. Their market cap is only 600, 620 million. It's, it's, in my opinion, that's kind of low for what it does, and what it guarantees. Definitely kind of low. So, yeah, there's definitely, you know, like Avalanche as well. If you want to compare Solana to Avalanche, there's there's a lot of alternatives in terms of blockchains. Even Matic. You know, we'll have to talk more about Matic and kind of explain what it does and why Matic is in the top 20. Uh, that'll be interesting because it's something that I don't want to I don't want to write about, but it'll be interesting to talk to you about Matic, Carlos. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely open to learning about more about Matic. Um, I mean, layer two blockchain solution. Um, we just to quickly to say something on that. I mean, Ethereum has a high gas fees and it can only go so fast. So if we need Ethereum to scale, we need some of these layer two blockchain solutions. And if Ethereum's here to stay, then that's just what's going to happen. I don't think proof of stake is going to make that 100% scalable. So yeah, I'm, I'm 100% open to speaking about Matic. And some of these other projects too. I mean, that's what we're here for. We we talk about cryptocurrency and different projects and also business. So yeah, I'm definitely open to speaking about Matic. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Carlos. All right, that's another business book chat.